Welcome to what we will unofficially be calling Season 2 of Hired, a legal career podcast. My name is Jordan Lee. I am your host and the Assistant Director of the Office of Career and Professional Development at the Wake Forest University School of Law. The podcast last season were simply one-on-one conversations with myself and a guest. As informative and compelling as those guests were, we wanted to make this season's podcast format a bit more dynamic. Welcome to our first attempt. Today's pod tries to answer why the legal profession relies so heavily on networking. Let's get going. As a career counselor at a law school, students often come to me in search of the holy grail of the legal profession. The elusive, but sure to exist, list of jobs. They raise their eyebrows in skepticism when I inform them that no such list exists. Okay then, they reply, send me to the database or clearinghouse where I can find the list myself. Frustration mounts as I explain that the database they seek is also not a thing. So why? Why is there not a list? Why is there not one place where all available legal jobs can be posted? Why is there not a one-stop shop for students where they can find openings and submit their resume and cover letter? It's 2021 after all. Before explaining why this ideal depository of legal jobs doesn't exist, let me explain the instances in which it kind of does. First, there are resume collects, on-campus interviews, and career fairs where employers recruit at Wake Forest for Wake Forest students. But you have to keep in mind that only 20% of our students find long-term employment that way. Second, we have usually North Carolina firms or lawyers reaching out to the OCPD looking for qualified students to fill a role. When that happens, we post the job on Simplicity. Now, there are also outside sources where openings can be found, LinkedIn jobs, Indeed, State Bar email blasts. And for public interest positions, students can check out psjd.org. And for federal government positions, USA Jobs and the Arizona Handbook, which Wake Law students have access to, are great options. So if you add up all of the aforementioned quote-unquote postings, they account for 40% of long-term employment. So what about the rest? Roughly 45 to 50% of our students find long-term employment via networking and personal relationships. Why the disparity? The law is very much a game of who you know. That's Elizabeth Goodwin, networking expert right here at Wake Law's OCPD. My title is Assistant Director of the Office of Career and Professional Development um, for Employer Outreach. Okay, so more complicated than networking expert. I find alumni as well as other attorneys and I introduce myself chat them up and tell them how wonderful Wake Forest is and how they should hire all of our students. And um, in all honesty, I I build relationships with them, right? Relationships? The majority of people will navigate their careers is based on the relationships that they build. And my job is to go out and find people that are willing to start building those relationships with our students now. So why this insistence on relationships? You know, another word for attorney is counselor. In order to be a trusted advisor, you have to build relationships with your clients. And that's just sort of the mindset that attorneys have. They want to know 
who you are and, and that you're going to contribute to their reputation as well as um, make good choices. So it's just a trust issue? Um, I'd also say that that is how attorneys develop business, right? Is by going out and building relationships within the community. So people say, oh, you need an attorney? Great. This guy who is in my breakfast club is an attorney. I'll connect the two of you. It's not, uh, it's not too far of a leap that that's also the way that they would hire people. It's the way their clients hire them. But it's not just about being trustworthy as a counselor or business development. Forming relationships allows for an individual or a firm to express its own uniqueness. You know, if you consider law firms to be like banks, you know, we all have similar services. We all do similar things. Okay, and who's that? So I'm Alan H. Bowie Jr. or Alan Bowie. I graduated in May of 2016, and I currently serve as senior legal counsel for uh, BIC Corporation. That's BIC, like the pins. You know, if I'm a client and I'm shopping for different services, there has to be something that's going to keep me either coming back to you other than, you know, what it is that you put in your brochure, right? You know, if I don't really know you, I know what the, the brochure says and I know what you said in the meeting, but, you know, what really speaks to your ability, what speaks to your capacity? You know, is there someone who's, you know, worked with you before that can, you know, give credence to your, your ability? Uh, or is there, you know, I remember working with you on another case and you were one of the best lawyers I'd ever seen. I think everyone just needs that distinguishing factor uh, and that level of connection other than just, you know, what we can represent to a client or advertise to a client. This is equally true for the individual. It's not necessarily that you must know somebody. It's that if you want to stand out, it's a good idea to have somebody on the inside that's saying, hey, I know that this resume looks like every other 1L out there because they all take the same classes. We're looking for certain things, but they've talked to me and I can tell they're not a total jerk. So let's interview them. In addition to the lofty ideals of attorney as counselor, expressions of uniqueness and greater business development, legal employers trust relational hires over job postings for some more less romantic practical considerations. I think that people also need to just realize it's a lot easier for me to just send an email to 20 attorneys that I know saying, hey, we want to hire somebody. Anybody know anyone? Than it is for me to go through the process of drawing up a, a job description and like figuring out what sites do I need to post it on and what documents should I be looking at? You know, that's just... It's the path of least resistance, too. Okay, so here at the halfway point, let's recap. 40% of Wake Law students find postgrad employment from some kind of posting. And I'm using posting loosely to include OCIs, career fairs, simplicity postings, and external sources like USA Jobs. But 50% of students find their positions through networking relationship building and word of mouth. Why? Well, first, employers want to know what makes you different from the rest, and a recommendation from a fellow attorney insisting that you're a good egg goes a long way since resumes often look the same. Second, employers often find clients from relationship building, so it makes sense that they'd hire employees in the same way. Third, lawyers are counselors. The culture is less sterile than some other industries. 
And finally, it's just easier to ask around than go through the trouble of posting a full-on job description. So what does finding a meaningful job through relationship building look like? This is one of the hardest concepts to teach students because life is complicated, situations are nuanced, and relationships possess a lot of intricacies. I cannot possibly predict which bar event or coffee meetup leads to your finding a lawyer who knows a lawyer who has a family member who knows an accountant who knows a lawyer that is looking for someone just like you. The best approach I have found so far is to share stories. I've had students who have found jobs stemming from relationships that started through running clubs, CLE events, martial arts classes, live music, coffee, mentorship programs, and more. I kind of credit my first job indirectly to the professional development course that we had as first year law students. Don't judge me. I'm not above shameless self-promotion. And in that class, we were told to have coffee or lunch maybe with a lawyer over break to start kind of networking. So I didn't know too many lawyers back home in Connecticut, um, honestly. So one of the things that we learned about were general counsels. And I had worked as a summer float teller at a bank the summer before law school. And I just had this idea that I was going to contact the general counsel of the company and see if she would have, well, of the bank and see if she would have coffee with me. And, you know, knowing what I know now, <laughs> maybe I wouldn't have done that uh, and been so brazen, but uh, that was actually the start of how I got my job. So now, I could stop the story here, but I think it's important to see all the twists and turns and unpredictable moments that ultimately lead to Alan getting a hell of a job. So let's keep going. So the general counsel of Webster Bank is a woman named Harriet Wolf, and she's still one of my very close mentors and someone who I consider to be on my personal board of directors. Okay, let's stop the story there real quick. I think this idea of a personal board of directors is super cool. So I'm going to let Alan explain that first. Yeah, so my personal board of directors are much like, you know, any company would have, you know, they're people that I know that I trust who are present in my life, uh, who are highly skilled and highly talented and highly capable all in different areas that I go to for different things. So, you know, there's people I have on my board of directors that I talk to about professional development things, others that I talk about, you know, finance and investment, uh, and some that I talk to about all of those things. But, you know, there are people that I've met along the way who've taken a vested interest in me, and I know that I can reach out to for advice, um, and I try to do the same for them. So here's where we left off. Alan, as part of his grab a coffee with a real-life attorney pro-dev assignment, contacted the general counsel of a bank where he used to work. Her name was Harriet Wolf. And what I kind of did was every time I went home, you know, I'd have lunch with her and uh, I kept in contact with her. So our first meeting led to lunch and she introduced me to all the lawyers in the legal department um, and then kind of just took an interest in me from there. So, of course, not being in the top 10 percent, not being on law review, you know, I was in a position as a 30 year law student that although I had had very fruitful summer opportunities, I didn't have an offer. And I talked to Harriet about my, you know, position at the time and position, I mean, sort of like my standing of not having a job. And I had gone to various, you know, job fairs through the, you know, Black Lawson Associations, you know, regional job fairs and, you know, had some good interviews, but no real leads. And she asked me if, you know, she could circulate my resume to some firms that you know, she had a lot of respect for. Uh, and one of those firms was Carmody, 
And Carmody invited me to their annual labor and employment seminar. And I think it may have really just been a courtesy to one of their largest clients, but uh, we sort of sparked a relationship from there, uh, which led coincidentally to me interviewing with 11 different partners and getting a rejection letter. Uh, but in sort of terms of serendipity or just kind of like staying in the game, I got a call about a month before I graduated from Wake uh, and Javana Weller, who was a partner who now leads the labor and employment group at my old firm, called me and said, it's for real this time. We have a job for you. We just need to meet with you one more time. This triumphant story doesn't surprise me. First, I've heard it from a lot of students who go out and do the networking footwork that we ask of them. And second, Alan was a classmate of mine. He was in a different section, but I knew him well because he was always working on building relationships. He's good at it. So I asked him what his secret was. What helps me network, to be completely honest, is a trait that I've had for a long time. I just genuinely care about and like people. Um, um, I care about who you are, what your story is, your family, the weather is where you are. And that's just a function of a lot of people in my family. Um, you know, I was taught to be very loving and to be very caring. And <clears throat> what I think helps me build relationships with people is that I actually care. Like, I'm not looking to build a relationship with you just to ask you for something, right? Now, in addition to Alan's networking skills, he talked about his entrepreneurial spirit. That's not a term I often use. Frankly, I think when I teach professional development, I sort of fold what Alan calls entrepreneurial spirit into professional development more generally. But I think he's right. It's a pursuit all of its own. Now, to clarify, at one point he defined entrepreneurial spirit as horsepower or drive, but I asked him to explain a little further. The entrepreneurial spirit comes in... Um just in different ways. Like I've always been ambitious, but you know, very practical. You know, if you're not exactly what someone's looking for, an OCIs and something like that, then you need to give them every reason to tell you yes and a few reasons to tell you no. So if your grades aren't where you know they're supposed to be, everything else should be really tight. So for me, knowing <laughs> after getting a few semesters grades uh, that you know Kirkland Ellis, Kirkland and Ellis probably wouldn't be knocking down my door. You know, I kind of just had to get out there and get it. And, you know, I, I figured out what I wanted to do. And then I mapped out in my mind a path to get there. And then pretty much a business plan from there. Thank you all for listening to episode one of the new format for Hired, a legal career podcast. On today's pod, we discovered why the legal profession requires relationship building. We discovered that it's part of being a counselor. We discovered that it's part of business development. We discovered an employer wants to know you'll work well with clients. We discovered it's how an employer determines who is unique. We discovered it's sometimes just easier for employers to ask other lawyers who they trust might be a good fit. And we discovered it's just part of the culture that to be successful and build the client base, lawyers have to network. So it's natural that those lawyers would look to hire in the same way that they got hired. But we also discovered that genuine relationship building leads to opportunity. One note before we close, 
and maybe this is what we should do for the next pod. But Alan, Elizabeth, and I are all believers that anyone can learn how to network. That relationship building is a skill and it can be honed. You might not currently be great at it, but you can be with a little practice and good guidance. We'll see you next time. It pays off, but I think networking is a muscle that you have to learn to flex. Um, And you just can't be afraid of failure.